All right, Proverbs chapter 17. Uh, let's get into the notes. We're talking about uh, parents and family. And um, so first of all, let's talk about the decisions that are made when it comes to family and what happens. So first example we're going to look at is King David. Uh, King David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that uh, in most of his endeavors and most of his life, I know there are things that he did that was grievous uh, later to him and certainly to God. But at the same time, overall, this man lived his life pleasing to the Lord. But you can be very pleasing to God. You can have a heart after God and yet make decisions in your family or overlook things in your family that can cause real harm and ongoing perpetual problems for family members. So David was one of those men, good man, but there were some issues in his life that came to bear. So if you were to go there, we're not, but uh, if you were to go to 2 Samuel chapter 13 through 18, you would find the stories that we're just going to allude to here. Amon uh, was one of the sons of David. David had several wives. Now, that can be a problem right there, all right? But uh, he had several wives, and one of his sons was named Amon. And uh, by another wife, he had Absalom and Tamar. And Tamar was a beautiful girl, and uh, as Absalom was with his long, flowing hair. But Amon uh, was attracted in his youth to Tamar. And he set his mind on Tamar, his half-sister, and was drawn to her beauty, started uh, with his thoughts, and then began to desire her. And uh, yeah, she, uh, she got or he was playing sick, and, and his father, David, came to see him, and he says, would you allow Tamar to come and serve me a meal? And so David agreed. Now, let me say something about David. David, as good a man as he was, did not properly, from all observation in Scripture, did not properly discipline his children. Um, I do not believe in beating your children. I do not believe in abusing your children. Um, I don't believe we should leave marks on children, but I do believe in spanking. You know why? The Bible teaches us to discipline, and uh, the rod of correction will drive foolishness far from our children. How many of you uh, got a spanking when you were growing up? Let me see your hand. How many of you did not get one, ever? Never got a spanking. Your parents didn't agree to it. We'll have you come down here after service. We'll give you one, all right? So anyway, uh, because you need it, all right? You missed it, and, and uh, you need it. So I got spankings. I didn't get very many because I was um, um, a, a little on the deceptive side, all right? Let me just put it that way. I was... Uh, I told things that weren't true. Uh, don't look at me that way. How many of you did the same thing when you were growing up? You little liar, you. All right, so anyway, uh, we're all in the same camp here. Uh, 
One night, my parents had left the home. Dad was redoing a room, and there was a sheetrock, sheetrock, what do they call it? A uh, Whatever it is, a sheetrock was lying, uh, leaning against the wall, and my brother and I were playing around. I ended up pushing it over, and those things are heavy. It fell over and broke, and so I was petrified that my dad was going to take his belt and spank me. So I started devising a plan. And as a kid, I don't know, eight, nine years old, the the greatest plan I could come up with, when dad arrived home, I ran out and I said, dad, I I don't know what happened, but the sheetrock just fell over. Uh, I don't know. He bought it somehow. God blinded his mind or his eyes. But he didn't say anything about it. It was no big deal to him. I was in shock. But he really should have disciplined me. He really should, I'm not saying spank me, but he should have talked to me and said, now Carl, were you running around? Did you accidentally push it over? And and, uh, so he should have brought uh, more attention to it because what he did by not saying anything or doing anything, what he did was reinforce to me that I could tell a lie and get out of trouble. Uh, I've told this several times over the last many years, but uh, I don't know why I did it. Did you ever do things when you were a kid? You don't know why you did it. You just, it was dumb. Shouldn't have done it. But my dad had several old watches in his drawer, and I decided to take them and hide them under the house and put them on top of a column, a brick column, under the house. Um, I kind of forgot about them. I don't even know why I did it. Um, Just meanness, I guess. And uh, one day, Dad was spraying under the house, and he found the watches. Um, I heard him calling. Um, My brother's name was Daryl. I heard him calling us. Boys, come here. Carl, Daryl, come here. Uh, The good news is in this story that Daryl got there before I did. And um, dad asked him, did you put these under the house? And I guess Daryl thought that dad was going to give them to him. So by the time I got there, he was laying into Daryl, spanking him with a belt, Daryl yelling out, and he was just spanking him. And I came on the scene, and I'm like, well, that's what he gets for lying, I guess. And so I didn't want to interfere uh, what was taking place, obviously. Uh, I didn't want to be spanked, so I kept my mouth shut. I kept it shut for years. And it wasn't until I was like 20 years old that one night, I said, Daryl, I need to tell you something. And I revealed, and I told my mother too. I never did tell Dad. Uh, He'll find out in heaven. I hope he doesn't beat me up there. But anyway, uh, so when you are a parent, you have decisions to make concerning your children. David did not properly discipline them. He should have said, now, Amen, why do you want your sister to come? You got these servants around here. They can serve you. You don't need her to come. And so 
If you know the story, uh, Tamar came into the room. He told everybody to get out. He forced himself on his sister. And then the Bible says his anger and disgust became as greater than the feelings uh, of affection he had for her. And then he told her to get out. And, he, and she said, no, that would be even a, a greater disgrace. And he threw her out of his room, and, uh, and she went and told her brother Absalom. Absalom didn't do anything. He said, now just keep it quiet. Don't say anything. They should have gone to their father, the king. They kept it under wraps. And two or three years later, because Absalom planned, the anger grew, the bitterness grew, and eventually... Absalom kills Amon. And then David finds out, tells Absalom, to, he flees uh, the scene. Uh, and it's just a mess in the family. And then finally, he allows, allows Absalom to come back. Then Absalom tries to overthrow David. It's an incredible story. And it all started with a dad. I know he was busy. We all are. But with a dad that did not properly discipline his children, either through verbally or even uh, discipline in other ways. So here it is a terrible situation because Absalom ends up dying. David grieves over that. So much sorrow took place. That was not necessary. I want to say to all of you parents, if you've got good kids, you should rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. If you parents here tonight or online, if you have children that are breaking your heart, that are away from God, that are doing things that just are grievous to you, then I challenge you to believe God Pray for them on a regular basis and believe God in faith that they're going to come back to Christ in a moment of time. It may be right before they die, but you believe God that you're going to see them in heaven. And uh, better yet, don't we don't want them to wait till they die. We want them to serve God now and live for him with all their hearts. So let's do that. Let's pray for your kids. Well. The son's wicked folly cost their father dearly through uh, all the pain that he suffered and grieved over his family. Uh, God's promise of longevity and peace were attached to only one of the Ten Commandments. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Let me read it. Honor your father and your mother. Honor that your days may be long upon the land. Honor the father and the mother. Uh, honor is a, an incredible thing that we are to do to one another. The husband is to honor his wife. The, uh, the wife is to honor her husband. The parents or the children are to honor their parents. We're to honor our grandparents. Uh, that doesn't mean we approve of every wrong thing they may do, but overall, there is an honor toward them. So, honor your father and your mother. No person can deem themselves wise. Now listen to this. I don't have it highlighted. No person can deem themselves wise if they neglect to understand the effects 
of their drives and decisions on the people closest to them. Lot. Prime example. Familiar story. Abraham was uh, uh, chosen by God to lead a nation. Lot was his nephew and for a while traveled with him. He had herds of his own family, of his own. And finally, Abraham says, Lot, we become too big to be together. So let's separate and uh, you choose, Lot. Now, let me tell you, in looking at that story, here's Abraham. He's the older one. And he says, Lot, you choose because we are too big. You need to go your way and we'll go our ways. And, uh, and we'll have room for the herds. And there'll be no more quarreling between our herdsmen. Lot should have said, oh, no. Oh, no. Abraham. Oh, no, 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 no. I would never do that. See, Lot did not honor Abraham as the older man. And, and he should have said, Abraham, you're the one that chooses. I'll go where you uh, don't go. He should have been the one to say, Abraham, uh, I will not choose. I'll take whatever uh, is left. And Abraham should have taken the rightful choice. But Lot says, well, since you mentioned it, I'll take the lands of green grass and the pasture lands close to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, folks, think about it. Here is a family decision made by the father, Lot. Should have honored his uncle, did not. Uh, lacked honor and had a no, no lack of greed, this man at that moment looked with his eyes and saw green grass sparseness, and he chose the green grass because it looked better, looked easier, looked to be more prosperous, and that's where he went. But he moved his tent, the Bible says, towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Folks, be careful where you move in life. Make sure. There are people that have come to me before and they're saying, we're moving. I'm like, really, where are you moving to? They're like, wherever this town is. And I'm like, is there a good church there? We don't know. And then I've had people leave and, and move and, and can't find a church and, and uh, their family is diminished because of it. Dear God, have mercy. We have to make better decisions, and everybody gets to say, amen. amen. Lot made a terrible decision. Abraham could have handled the, uh, the atmosphere of Sodom and Gomorrah being in that general area, but Lot could not handle it, and Lot's wife couldn't handle it. And they moved in that direction, and pretty soon... Their tent got closer and closer to Sodom. Imagine a city of horrible wickedness. They moved their tent there, his daughters with him, and then we find them inside the city. And then we find his two daughters marrying 
uh, men of the city of Sodom, his one, two daughters that are still with him. And, uh, and then, of course, his wife rebels and turns away. And then uh, his daughters that are left get him drunk and uh, are with him uh, intimately and have children by him that grow up to be the enemies of God. What a decision. What a horrible decision. All of us have made bad decisions. And as a believer, there's good news because Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good of those that love the Lord. But there may be some pain in that turning around process. There may be some difficulty. There may be some consequences that may last in wrong decisions. So, folks, we have to be better decision makers. Amen. Better decision makers. And it may seem so small, but it's no, there is no small decision because small decisions can amount to great consequence. So make sure you are making right decisions, being led by the Spirit of God. That is where when we're led by the Spirit of God, then we make better decisions. And if we find out that we're going in the wrong direction and the Spirit is pressing upon us, we can turn and do a 180, and God will turn it around for our good. But sometimes that takes more time than we even want it to take. So let's make good decisions. And one more time, everybody said, amen. All right. Well, just like if you're single here tonight, make sure if you're going to get married again, you marry the right one. Okay? Now, for all those of you that are married, forget it. you already married. All right? So there's not a matter of she's right or the wrong one or he's the wrong one. No. Uh, once you say I do, they are the right one. Right before then, they may have been the wrong one. But when you said I do, they are then the right one. You may have your work cut out for you, but that's the result of your decision, all right? So, make good decisions, all right? Proverbs chapter 17, verse 21. He who begets a scoffer or has a child that is a scoffer does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy, all right? Sorrow is the same word translated as grief in Proverbs chapter 10 and 1. Scoffer and fool are synonymous or synonyms. All right. So Proverbs 17, 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father, a foolish son, and bitterness to her who bore him. A foolish son, grief to a father, and bitterness to her who bore him. Parents, do everything you can, my Lord and my God, to have wisdom in dealing with your children. And every child is different. I wish, don't you wish that when the baby was born, there was an owner's manual that came with it, all right? So, I mean, 
right out. Being born with a baby is an owner's manual. This baby will have this personality and this baby you need to treat this way. There's no instructions other than the word of God and the spirit of the Lord. So every child is different. You can't treat them the same. One child is more sensitive and you just talk to them and say, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And they, they break out crying. Uh, another child, you say, you shouldn't have done that. And they're like, why? And so they look at you like, hey, I mean, you know, I didn't ask to be born. And so anyway, all that kind of stuff. Every child is different. So you've got to be led by the Spirit and the Word of God. So if you've got children, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. If you've got children still living at home, you need to be a praying person, all right? You need to be praying. And if they are single still, you need to pray. God, listen, don't wait until they meet somebody and say, I've asked them to marry me, and then say, well, we need to pray about this. No, pray about their mate all their life because you want them to make the right decision. And even then, They've got a free will, and they can make a wrong decision. So you keep praying for them, praying for them, praying for them. Okay, Exodus chapter 15, 23. Uh, great. Well, let me back up uh, and read 17, 21 again. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Bitterness. It's terrible to think that a woman could give birth to a child and it caused her bitterness. It is a, bitterness here is a Hebrew word that is related to the waters of Moriah, the bitter waters. When the Jews crossed the Red Sea, entered into the promised land, they didn't find any water. And then they came to a body of water in the desert and, uh, they were all excited. They went there. They tasted the water, and it was bitter. Can you imagine? They were expecting to be refreshed. They were expecting to cool their thirst, and it was bitter. Now, the good news is God intervened and showed Moses what to do, and they drank of the waters that were bitter. But here, bitterness in this Hebrew word about the mother having a child that is bitter to her is uh, referred to the waters of bitterness. She had great expectations for her child. She wanted the best for him or her. And then it broke her, they broke her heart, caused bitterness and pain to abound in their life. So Exodus chapter 15 says, now when they came to Moriah, they could not drink the waters of Moriah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Moriah. You're expecting sweet water, but you get bitter water. All right. Proverbs 17 and 1, talking about the relationship in the home. Uh, Proverbs 17 1, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Than a house full of feasting with strife. Boy, I hope this doesn't describe your home. I hope 
that your home is a place of quietness, a place of peace. I mean, if you've got little kids, I mean, it can be a ruckus, I know. Alice and I went to see our grandkids in North Carolina. Josh and Mandy have uh, five, nine to uh, a year and a half, I guess. And uh, so it's a, it's a busy household, all right? So, uh, and then we brought two of them back with us. Pray for us, all right? So anyway, no, we brought the two oldest, and they're, they're pretty wonderful. They all are, but being older, they don't require as much attention, but pray for us anyway, all right? But uh, a house of quietness, peace, where there's no strife. And where does this start? Strife starts in a home and the parents. So you don't want strife between the husband and the wife. If there is strife in your life, I want to challenge you. Dear God, have mercy. Don't walk out of this building without confronting it. Or if you're at home and you're sitting there and you feel strife and one of you's walking on eggshells because you're so sensitive to the other one because they explode. My God have mercy. That is no way to live. Nobody needs to be walking on eggshells. The house needs to be peaceful without strife. Needs to be filled with love. And so we better get our act together. So if you're in the building, don't leave until you confront it. If there's strife between you and your mate, I mean, come to the altar area. You get here before God, say, honey, we need to deal with this. And I ask your forgiveness. Both of you need to ask forgiveness. And as I spoke on Father's Day, there is the structure of the home. There is God. There is the husband. There's the wife and the kids have to obey and honor. So there's God, there's the husband. And the wife said, and the wife said, and the wife said. All right, some wife said. All right, so there's the God, there's the husband, there's the wife, there's the children. And the, of course, don't think for a moment that I'm implying the man is a dictator. He is not. Does he not make, does, I'm not implying he makes all the decisions. I am implying that God's going to hold him accountable for that home. So, and how it functions. And if there's strife and division. So ladies, your job is to find your place in submission, in honor to God, in honor of your husband. That doesn't mean that you get run over or stepped on. Absolutely not. That means he's going to love you with all of his heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That means you're going to respect him with all the respect that you can muster. Even if he's not perfect, doesn't matter. You respect him anyway. And all, everyone said, thank you, Jesus. Don't have a home where kids don't want to come home. Have a home where they love the fact that they, mom and dad love each other. Have a home where it's peaceful. Don't have a home where there's no discipline. Don't have a home where, you know, one of you are undermining the other. Don't do that. You will cause consequences. 
to happen. Get involved. Ask questions. Find out where they are, why they're doing what they're doing. Dear Lord, have mercy. Solomon is speaking to us his wisdom and calling us to make right decisions. God help us to do so. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us. I ask you, oh Lord God, to be led by your spirit, to be led by your word. I pray, God, for harmony in relationships. I pray for peace in the home. I pray for strife to be gone. I pray, oh Lord God, that that heavy-handedness would stop. And Lord God, there would be a mutual respect, a mutual support, mutual love. But men will rise up, husbands, fathers will rise up, take their place. Wives will honor that. God, thank you for changing lives. God, help us to realize the small decisions like Lot made by not honoring when he should have. God, a decision based on what he could see. Lord, and a decision that looks like was based on a measure of greed. God, help us to not make decisions like that. God, lead us. Open doors you won't open. Close doors that need to be closed. And help us to know the difference. Bless these people. Bless these people online. Bless our families. Bless our children. God, I ask you right now to touch that youth service. I pray, Holy Spirit, that those young men that are over there and those girls that are over there that have experienced things in their lives they should never have experienced. They've experienced some of them pain, some of them grief. God, there's some of them that are filled with anger over the lapse of things that should have been there. God, I pray for them. I ask you for healing. I ask you, oh Lord God, that you would turn things around, change hearts and lives, oh Lord God, in that youth service. God, may those young men grow up to be men of God. Those young ladies grow up to be women of God. Lord, for the children in this building, the children listening, or at those homes, I pray, God, your hand of grace and mercy on their lives in the name of Jesus. Stand with us, please. You never know, you just never know who may be sitting in a building or now standing or watching online who may not have a relationship with Christ. And so I want to say to you, I know things are a little different. I, I just have to believe God that, that God's doing things in the midst of things that perplex us. But I know this. If you need a relationship with Christ, it's simply a matter of calling on God from your heart. So why don't we all just bow our heads right now. Father, you see every heart in this building, 
You see the hearts of those that are watching online or out in the atrium. God, hearts that are away from you, hearts of people that are lost. God, I pray they would turn to you with all their hearts, soul and mind and strength. I pray, God, people listening right now would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and repent. And God, ask forgiveness and get right with you. God, speak to their hearts, O oh Lord. Speak to their hearts. We thank you for that. And God, I ask you, Lord, for every person in this building, God, that walked into this place with a heavy heart, challenges they don't know what to do about, decisions that need to be made that have been put off. God Almighty, help us. Help us, oh Lord God. Help us, oh Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus and touch. Oh Lord God, I pray for those that are in need of a healing. Christina, Lord, in the hospital. Lord, with her kidney issue that needs to be totally corrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. God Almighty, for Connie Matthews recovering at home. God, heal her body. God, do a work in her life. And Lord God Almighty, for the pastor rule who passed away this week, his family that are here in the States, and he's in India. God, be with his family. Be with his daughters, his son. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, have mercy on them. God, for any in our church family that are sick, almighty God, we ask you for the healing touch of God to minister to people's lives. God, in Jesus' name, we speak healing over their lives. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you are here in the building and you prayed that prayer and forgiveness, or you were online and you prayed that prayer, why don't you do this? Um, we've been doing this now for about a year. Um, and so why don't you just pick up that cell phone right now and call or text 407-275-8790 and just text SAVED to that number. Um, and they'll send you a follow-up with some information and, and just help you get better connected to God and to this church family. So 407-275-8790, that's a number we've had about 45 years. So anyway, that's a good number to text that you gave your heart to Christ. God bless you richly. Listen, these altars are always open. Um, it may be a time where you just want to come and stand here, pray. Great. Or you may want to just sit in the chair there. We got a couple more minutes. The youth, especially if you've got teenagers, they won't be out for 10 or 15. But I want to challenge you just if you need to pray, spend some time in prayer. Pastor John's going to step up and uh, lead us in a chorus. God bless each and every one of you. This coming weekend, this was 
already scheduled on the calendar. We're going to do something that I don't guess we've ever done before. This weekend, uh, Pastor Stani, who's the campus pastor at Michigan, and Pastor Jason, who is the campus pastor at Redbud, they're going to uh, team preach, and uh, one of them's going to go for the first segment, and the other one's going to go for the second segment. So anyway, it's going to be uh, good. We were talking about the message today, so good word for all of us. That's this weekend. If you need to slip out, God bless you. If you want to come to the altar, bless you. And Pastor John's going to lead us I in a course. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my soul. See? 